Good morning, everyone. I'm Praying Medic, and this is Supernatural Saturday for March 11th, 2023. We had so much fun uh, on last month's live stream. We are going to do another question and answer session. Um, I do have some topical subjects I'd like to talk about in the future. After I get a few more books published, I'm going to be doing some more topical messages. But today we're going to do question and answer. A uh, little bit of housekeeping real quick. For those of you who uh, are not familiar with my ministry, maybe you're listening to a uh, live stream or the playback for the first time. Uh, I'm Dave Hayes. Uh, I go by Praying Medic. I've written a bunch of books under the name Praying Medic. Uh, I primarily teach about God and God's kingdom. Although I have written some books on politics, on the 17th letter of the alphabet, and uh, I enjoy writing. Uh, I'm a full-time author, but that's my career, my new career, after 35 years of working as a paramedic. Uh, my wife finally twisted my arm hard enough and got me to hang up my stethoscope and become a writer. So we do these uh, live streams here on the second Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern. The replays are always available on my Rumble channel and on my websites. We have two websites, prayingmedic.com. That is the main website. On that website, you can check out my classes, my podcasts, my videos, my articles, my books, uh, all the things that are on there on the main website. There's also a, uh, a website for our ministry. We do have a nonprofit church ministry. And the website for, for that is prayingmedic.org. If you are looking for healing, you're looking for healing prayer. I have a bunch of videos that are on that prayingmedic.org website. All the ones that are on Rumble are also available on our prayingmedic.org. There is a uh, a little portal that you can click on. If you need healing, just click on that, and it'll take you to all the videos that I've done for healing prayer. Tinnitus, nervous system uh, disorders, female problems. Uh, as time allows, I may do some more videos in that nature. Um, I'm, I'm really very busy right now working on books. That's my, my first uh, love, so to speak. So uh, you can support us financially, too, on our – well, you used to be able to support us financially on our prayingmedic.org website. Uh, we got our PayPal and all of our uh, online accounts taken down. So we're now receiving donations through our Give, Send, Go page. There's a link to that on the ministry website. All right. Uh, let's see. Any other housekeeping duties? None that I can think of. All right. Nana, Nana Albert, can, can you hear do you me? Have, yes, I can hear you. Oh, nice. Hi, Dave. Hey, I'd Nana. Like to- I like to uh, say to you uh, from Hamburg here in Germany, to you and uh, Denise, thank you every uh, very much for everything you did for me. Didn't you just send a prayer request to us? 
No, sorry, uh, I clicked the wrong button. It was a fault from my side. Oh, okay. <laughs> now I use it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Bye. Yes. Bye. Rick, what, what's on your mind, bro brother? I was trying to unmute myself, but it put me on the camera, and I didn't want, want to be on the camera. But here I am. Yes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you unmute yourself and you're going to speak, make sure, and you don't want your camera on, make sure your camera's turned off. So go ahead, Rick. What's up? I, I didn't know that. Just uh, when – I might have missed this. When is your uh, book coming out? Which one? Both. I'm working on four books right now. All four. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay then. Uh, all right. I, I'm, I'm going to mute you. <laughs> all right. So here's here's the deal. I'm working on four books right now. Uh, we have a book coming out on power and authority. That is in the hands of my graphic designer. And we should be having that come out in a month or so. There is the third Q book, uh, Q Chronicles Volume 3. That could be out in a couple of weeks. That That is actually on the front burner right now. So Q Chronicles Volume 3 should be the next book coming out a few weeks. Uh, the book on power and authority will be coming out a few weeks after that. And then uh, I'm working on a full-length book on emotional healing and deliverance. Uh, and that is shaping up nicely. I would imagine that book will probably be out. Uh, in the summer, maybe maybe June-ish, maybe earlier. Depends on how much time we get to work on it. And then I'm working on another book, um, science fiction book. Right. So uh, I used to say science fiction trilogy. I'm not saying that anymore. It's a science fiction novel, and we're going to see how that goes. Uh, I, I'm really having a fun time writing this science fiction novel. Um, I hope you guys like it when it comes out. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun writing it. That will be later this year, probably end of summer, I'm guessing. And I'm, I'm going to launch that first book. If it's well-received, people like it, it gets a lot of reviews, I might write a follow-up book to it. And then speaking of follow-ups, uh, there is a prequel coming for The Gates of Shallow. I haven't really began working on that yet because I've got four books I'm working on already and I don't really need a fifth book right now. Uh, sorry, deplorable granny. Uh, it, it's look, it's, it's in the hopper. <laughs> it's, it's in the line where I will, I will get to that book in time. Uh, Denise needs me to get a few of these other books uh, off my plate first before I can start working in that one. So that's the uh, schedule and Rhonda Harkins uh, Rhonda, you're on camera. Did yeah. you want to, did you have, do you have a question? Uh, no, I had a comment. Okay. I just came from a, a chaplain's conference where I was able to, I'm the prayer chaplain and I was able to use your emotional healing and every single chaplain I prayed for did not feel those feelings or feeling after I asked them. And we went through the process that you so eloquently said in your book on emotional healing. So I just wanted to share with you, it is working. Thank you. 
Wow, that's awesome. Thanks, Rhonda. I appreciate the testimony. Yeah, God is great. And the emotional healing process is simple. And we have a lot of really good results from it. Uh, we get testimonies all the time from people who have had a lot of success with it. Melissa uh, Devio, if you can unmute yourself. Uh, Melissa, what's on your mind? Okay, great. I'm so, I, I was like one of those people, I was like, I don't know if I want to be first, but you know what? I'm a leader anyway, so. Um, or a take charge kind of a person. I guess what I wanted to know um, is that like, I was saved at 10 years old, and throughout my life, I, there's been a few times that I've gone up to have uh, to be to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people have said, "Well, you'll have evidence by speaking in tongues." And like, I just—I mean, I've I've looked into it more and more, you know. And people, I've heard people say, oh, "Well, you got to practice it," you know, or you have to do this. And you start making baby sounds. But then I've also heard people where it just starts flowing. And like, I know that the Lord uses me in so many other ways, whether it's dreams, visions, the, you know, I recently found out that, you know, I have fear capabilities or what everybody has. Um, but anyways, I'm just trying to figure out why I'm not really flowing with a uh, speaking in tongues. Uh, good question. My answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why you're not speaking in tongues. Um, anyone can speak in tongues. And Rick, uh, Rick Uren, he's in our group. He's he's in the channel. He actually created his own group um, for people who want to learn how to speak in tongues. He has an ability to teach people how to do it. Um, and if you're interested in learning, knowing more about that, you might either direct message Rick or join that group on Telegram. Uh, you know, some people find it very easy to do. Some people, it's more difficult. I don't know why any one particular person uh, either hasn't or isn't able to do it. But Rick is the guy I would point you to if you're if you need some help with that. All right, God's rainbow, God's rainbow. Uh, you have your hand up. Uh, if you can unmute yourself, what is on your mind? Yay, I'm here. Okay, thank you. Um, I have been praying for a woman, uh, I'll just call her Linda W., for several months now. Um, she is an elderly lady. She's 80 years old. She has had a lifetime of torture, okay? She has, um, since she was a young child, uh, she had been um, uh, raped through incest, two brothers, continued through her teenage years, um, had an abortion because of that later on in life. Uh, she tried to talk, tell people no one believed her. They rejected her, called her a liar. Um, then into her married life, she had a miscarriage. Her, her father recently passed away this past Christmas. I mean, her husband passed away this past Christmas. And she, uh, the son, her son, her adult son, noticed immediately after Christmas, she was crouching in a corner, talking like a child. And then he has since found out that she has a lot of, um, I guess, alters. 
Uh, one of them goes by a child. One of them is a very promiscuous person. One of them is bossy. And one of them goes by the name Azazel. And Azazel okay. is a name of a, of a demon. So here's my thing. I saw your video of emotional healing. We do know that she needs, but there's a lot of interference going on with the family. The, 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 the son has since prayed over her. I, he, they were both brought up steeply in the Catholic religion and um, he doesn't know anything about power and authority and all of this kind of stuff. I've been trying to show him. He has since renounced the Catholic religion and, and has become a born-again Christian. I mean, he renounced the Catholic faith and has become a born-again Christian. And he is working with his mom to help heal her soul wounds, get rid of the demons, things like that. He had laid hands on her at um, one time, and um, she did feel some demons getting off of her she said plunk 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 she felt them she felt them leave one by one by one however there are still you know deeper or, or, or stronger demons that are still with her so here is my question i also saw um recently johnny enlow on elijah streams where he was showing how to deliver the demons where you just get them to manifest you cast them out but i'm wondering in her situation do you cast out the demons first and then do the emotional healing or do the emotional healing first and then cast out demons. And also what can be done? Cause there's always interference. There's interference where his sister who is also Catholic, she does not believe in demons. And she tells him, leave mom alone. She doesn't have demons. Da da da. There's, there's just all this outside interference whenever he's trying to have okay. time with his mother alone. Okay, so, so I just have a couple of questions for you. Uh, what is your relationship to this woman? Okay, I met um, her son through social media. He told me about his mother, and then that's when I'm trying to tell her she can okay. be delivered. Okay, so have you had direct conversations with her? No, they live. I live down south. They live up north. Okay. Um, All right. So, All right. so I, you're, you're communicating to her son. I'm communicating through her son. Yes. Okay. To right. help her, his mother. Okay. Uh, all right. This is uh, this is a, a complex subject, and yes. I, I wrote about this condition in my book, The Gates of Shiloh. Uh, that's what the novel, The Gates of Shiloh, is about. It, it is about how to heal people who have complex uh, trauma. And this woman has complex trauma. She yes. has altars, she has fragments, she's got demons. Uh, the process for working with someone like that, it's, it's somewhat intricate, it's involved, it's not as simple as we just need to kick out a bunch of demons. Uh, that's not how it works. Um, I do realize altar, that. I'm just wondering what step to take first, what step to take second. All right. I'm, I'm going to tell you. Okay. All right. Have you read my book, The Gates of Shiloh? No, I'm just new to you and doing these okay. um, talks and stuff. So, no, I have yep. not. I would get the book, Gates of Shiloh. Uh, you can get it on Barnes & Noble. You can get it on Amazon. It's a novel. It's fun to read. Everyone who reads it loves it.
Um, but it is a, it's a training manual for how, for healing complex emotional trauma like this woman has. If you read through the book, you will see, you're literally going to see that woman in this book as a main character. You started talking about this altar is this, and this altar is that, and this person yeah. is a child. Right. The main character of the book, Gates of Shiloh, uh, her name is Shiloh, that's her. She has multiple personalities. And the book explains how these altars, these child altars inside of the person in their soul can be healed. Um, it's told uh, as a fictional story, but it's based on actual um, testimonies of people that I've known over the last 12 or 13 years and people that I've worked with who have had a lot of success in healing survivors of ritual abuse, for example. So I would recommend getting the book Gates of Shiloh and just read through that book and pay special attention to about the last 10 chapters because the last 10 chapters, Shallow's emotional healing is explained step by step. And what you see happening with her in the book, you can actually take those steps and put those into action with, with a real person. You, if you talk to her son on a regular basis, maybe you suggest that he can get the book. If he reads through the book and sees how this process works, um, it's, it's very effective. I'll give you some, just some basic pointers. Uh, this entire dynamic has to be led by Jesus. Jesus is the one who does the healing of the altars and the fragments that are in the person's soul, the different personalities. Jesus has to minister to them. He has to, some of, the, some of those people will need to have some kind of um, interaction with Jesus where he shows them his love for them. Um, he'll, he will heal them at the right time. He may integrate them back into the soul. He may do other things with them. The entire process needs to be led by Jesus. There isn't a, uh, there isn't a formula for doing this. It has to be led by Jesus. And, and, and the book, Gates of Shiloh, goes through and explains what that looks like, how Jesus will meet with the altars and the fragments, ask them questions, and, and bring healing to them. Uh, it's, it's an involved process. It's not, it's not something that can be done very quickly. Uh, and, and if you, and if you approach it with, from just, we just need to get rid of a bunch of demons, you can do that. You'll get rid of some demons. They'll come back. Um, you have to follow, uh, you yeah. have to follow, follow, you have to do it how Jesus wants it done. And so that's, that's my answer. Uh, do you have any follow up question? Yeah, just just one hundred percent. I agree. The reason why I mentioned, do demons have to be rebuked first? Because there was a recent episode. I mean, she's been in and out of the mental ward her whole life. They put her on lithium, and um, she had a recent demonic uh, manifestation where she tried to hurt her daughter and tried to rape her twenty-one-year-old uh, grandson. Now, we're talking about a sweet old lady here, the kind of grandma yeah. that makes cookies. It's not her. I know it's not her. But when something like that arises and you're in that situation like, whoa, we got to cast out this demon right now because it's a scary situation. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I do. Um, and it's, it's, it is the, the, the demons are going to cause problems, but the demons are working through the altars and the fragments. The altars and fragments, once they are healed, 
Once they're integrated, that takes away the point of attachment for the demons. Then you can get rid of the demons permanently and they won't come back. Okay. Um, need to work with the altars and fragments first. Okay, excellent. That's what I wanted to know. Any other thoughts of how we can remove all the delays, the um, the interferences? It's like whenever he tries to have this alone time with his mom, it's like something comes up. He's got a leaky water faucet. He's getting a, you know, his car breaks yeah. down. His sister interferes. Well, I would ask the Lord for strategies about how to deal with the interference. That's the best I can give you. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. All righty. <laughs> Nobody else wants to talk now. We've got Dennis, uh, Dennis Holman. Dennis, if you can unmute yourself, what is on your mind? Hey, buddy. How are you, Dave? Doing good. How are you doing, man? Good. Glad you can hear me. Uh, I got a quick testimonial for you. Then I got a question for you. Um, I emailed you for a prayer request about a week ago. I had mentioned that I had given myself to the Lord and Jesus and I had set up a baptism for myself for the first time that happens on Sunday. I'm 54, so it's been a while. So it happens tomorrow. And I was attacked um, physically with stomach problems, headache problems, literally right after I did that. And I'd email you for a prayer request. Thank you very much. All those symptoms have gone. So that, that hey, that's all history. Thank you, Jesus. So, absolutely. So we, we beat them off there. So they can't stop me from getting baptized and being a warrior here. Um, so my question to you is this. So reading a lot of the spiritual books on deliverance and healing, and uh, I'm sure you know the name Charles Craft, reading a few of his books. And one thing he kind of mentioned that's a little bit at odds with you or what I thought, you mentioned in one of your healing books that I think it was your wife that was having a physical problem and you brought the demon onto yourself. You pulled it away from her and you mentioned in the book, don't ever do that. Don't like wish a demon on yourself to pull it off someone else. And he was kind of mentioning in his book, he says, you know, there's a biblical hierarchy with the Lord, the churches and within homes and families. And in those families, the man typically is the hierarchy person. You have the man and then the woman. And he was saying, that he does sort of like a prayer, a protection prayer for his family that essentially says, I'm the authority in this house, the highest authority. Every Nobody in my house gets attacked. You have to go through me to attack them. So it was kind of a little different for yours. I was just kind of wanting to get your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I uh, I like Charles Kraft. He's a, he's a good teacher. Actually, I borrowed quite a bit of uh, information from his book, uh, two Hours to Healing. It's, it's a book on emotional healing. That was one of the very first books I read on emotional healing when I uh, wanted to start learning about this subject. So I am not terribly familiar with that teaching, although it, it, it kind of it kind of makes sense. Um, is it at odds with my teaching? I don't think so. Um, this happened to me years ago when I was a, I didn't know anything about spiritual warfare. I was just, uh, you know, I, I've been going to church for a long time and didn't really understand the dynamics of, uh, spiritual warfare. You know, I, like I said, I went to church for seven years after I had, I'd been an atheist most of my life. And I learned the Bible, didn't learn anything about the supernatural. Um, so when that demon attacked me, what happened was 
I I had foolishly, you know, Denise was having neck pain all the time. And I just said, you know, Lord, if it'll make her better, if it'll make her better, put her affliction on me, right? Well, that's kind of a dumb thing. You don't ever want to do that. <laughs> I, I fell asleep. I had a dream. And when I woke up from the dream, boom, I was, uh, I was pretty much paralyzed by a demon. So that's what happened. And, and I learned a lesson. You know, you don't ask God to put someone else's affliction on you. That was my mistake. Um, can you, as, a, as the head of the household, can you put a protection over people and say, you know, you, you have to, if you want to attack that person, you have to come through me. You can do that. I don't think that's wise. I think you're asking for trouble. Um, you know, you're, it, to me, it's, it's like you're going to be the big, strong, muscular guy who's going to like look out for everybody in your family. And you say, well, you're going to attack them. You have to come through me like they do in the Hollywood movies. Right. And, you know, the guy pulls out a gun and shoots him a couple of times. Goes, well, okay. I went through you and now I'm going to go through them. I, I don't know that, that to me, that just sounds like um, some kind of, heroism. I, I, I don't know that that's, that's wise to do that. I think it's wise if you want as the head of the household to speak a blessing over your household, to speak a blessing and, and maybe ask God to put a hedge of protection around your family. I think that's good. Inviting the enemy to come through you to attack other people, I don't think is very wise. Uh, that's just my, my take on that. All right. Uh, let's see. Sammy Joe, if you can unmute yourself, what is on your mind? Um, I've been following you for about a year. I first heard you on Elijah's streams. And I heard you the other day on an interview with Grant Sunchfield. Yes. And so I have kind of a, a non-question for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, my question is, I've heard a lot about... Trump being reinstated as president before the 2024 election. Okay. And I, and I hope that's true. Um, I didn't think Stinchfield thought that that was ever going to happen. Uh, I'm wondering, do you have any feelings on that? I certainly do. Would you like me to share them with you? Yes, please. All right. Yes. All right. Uh, that's a really good question. And my opinion, all right, so let me just kind of lay some foundational things here. Um, there's a lot of people out on social media now who are presenting news and commentary. And they have opinions and ideas about what's going to happen in the future. What's going to happen with Trump? What happens with the Republican Party? What's going to happen to America? What's going to happen with the war and this? All these different issues. Different people have different views. Some people say that all of the or most of the people in the deep state who appear to be working against President Trump, that's all theater. That's all kayfabe. And their view is that uh, most of those people, Merrick Garland, Chris Ray. Um, even the special counsel's office are secretly working with Trump to bring about his, his, his plan to pass. Um, that's, that's one 
uh, school of thought, there's quite a few people in our community who believe that a lot of what we see that appears to be as if people are working against Trump, that's actually theater and they're actually working with Trump, right? So that those people are expressing their opinions. That's their, that's their right. That's their view. Uh, that's what they believe. And that's fine. Uh, there's a lot of people who, who take that perspective. Um, I, I don't, I have a different perspective. Um, I think that a lot of the people in the Department of Justice, in the FBI, in the intelligence community um, are actually working against President Trump. I think those people, I don't think it's theater. I think they actually are trying to get rid of Trump. They're trying to prevent him from uh, becoming the nominee and from getting back in the White House. I think that the deep state is very active, is in, is actively working to do everything they can to prevent Trump from returning to the White House. There's a there's an actual battle going on. That's my opinion, right? So we all have different opinions. Now, what I will say about President Trump's return is I have my opinion, and then I have what God has shown me, and God has what God has revealed to me um, is this through a series of dreams is the idea that. Um, I, I won't say that God has shown me that Trump is going to return prior to 2024, the election. He hasn't shown me that. God hasn't actually hasn't shown me Trump returning to the White House. I haven't seen that prophetically. What I have seen is I've had a lot of dreams where the military steps in to American culture and makes large-scale changes to American culture. I have had so many dreams about that in the last two years where um, the military takes on the infiltration of American culture through academia, through communications, through the media, through you know, the, the political branches. I, I have seen many, many dreams where God has shown me the military is going to step in and make some changes. What I'm not saying is I have not seen the military reinstalling Trump as president. I haven't seen that at all. I haven't even seen anything indicating President Trump's going to be reelected or returning to the White House. What God has shown me is little scenes, little bits of this and that. A lot of it has to do with the military making significant changes in society. I've had a lot of dreams last summer and into the fall about communications blackouts, uh, internet disruptions, things of that nature, power outages. I had a dream a couple nights ago where people were preparing for uh, power disruptions. They were purchasing and testing their backup power uh, sources to make sure that they worked. Right. So uh, I, w the interview with Stinchfield, he's one of the guys who I don't think he, he um, believes that Trump is going to come back prior to 2024. I think that he's a, of the opinion, like a lot of people, that Trump's just going to have to come back through another uh, election cycle through in 2024. Uh, I, I personally, in my opinion, I actually don't see that happening. I, I don't. He um, he ran against Joe Biden in 2020, and they had the system so rigged, they were able to steal an election where he got 12 million more votes in 2020 than he got in 2016, and they still were able to put Biden in the White House. 
I don't know how Trump overcomes that. What are we supposed to go out and we're just going to have to vote three times harder than we did last election? I think I suspect Trump is going to have to come back through a process other than a stolen election. There haven't been significant changes made to the electoral to election process in the last two years. Uh, we still have rigged elections, and until something is done to change that, uh, I don't think Trump's going to uh, is going to win another election. You know, he's out there talking about. Um, we have to get better at ballot harvesting, <laughs> right? We're going to, Republicans are just going to have to ballot harvest better than Democrats. What about all the electronic voting? What about the way that they can manipulate the numbers? They have people in the secretary of state's offices, like here in Arizona, who can, uh, set up a stolen election in so many ways. We're just going to ballot harvest our way out of that. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm I'm not buying the ballot harvesting narrative. I think it's a shiny object. It's I think it's a plausible explanation because Trump and his people have to say something about their plan to win in 2024. And I don't think that's the actual plan. I think that's what they're telling people. I think there's another plan in place. Don't know what that plan is, but I don't think it's ballot harvesting. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. And we have. You can unmute yourself. What is on your mind? Risen V. Hi. Hey there. Can you hear me? Hi. I can hear you fine. Uh, okay, perfect. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Uh, I read your uh, book, Gates of Shallow. And um, I have a question in terms of how to brought about, um, I think the previous speaker was speaking uh, oh, um, about you saying that it need to brought to Jesus and us, Jesus to lead. Because uh, I have had a really traumatic uh, experience when I was little and um, I think I felt that I'm being delivered, but I have many different thought of cussing, I'm not using foul language or anything, and I am having a difficulty to actually forgiving my past. And uh, I said, I renounced, I did your emotional healing book and follow, and um, so there are so many layers that I'm not sure. And when I read the book of Gate of Shallow, I thought authors and um, fragments. So how do I actually go back and take a look at what fragments did I actually have with this? Um, literally, um, my father actually put me upside down because I was not listening and put me on the well and say, if you're not listening, I'm going to drop you. Okay. Well. Okay. Um, the, the, the process is to ask God to show you the altars and fragments that need to be healed and then ask him, to help you with the process of getting those people healed, the, the altars and fragments healed. Um, okay. So have you, have you tried that at all? 
Um, I did the emotional healing. I haven't really, I just finished reading <clears throat> The Gates of Shallow a couple of nights ago. And okay. I realized that there is something that somebody says, there is a curses that going on in my family line, in my mother's line, and uh, it's certainly, I grew up in Indonesia and we believe in supernatural. Um, okay. So there are things that I'm not even sure about. Uh, hereditary, hearing loss, deaf, um, okay. you know, all kind of things. And the last two years, when I became Christian uh, about four years ago, in the last two years, I have had so many supernatural attacks with, you know, my son at the ICU, uh, house fires, uh, a series of unfortunate incidents, you know, back to back, back to back. And I was lost in trying to grasp of like, okay, I'm supposed to be uh, victorious about this and I know it's going to be difficult and it just need to continue to fight over it and know the authority and the responsibility. So I'm looking forward for your book about the, uh, the authority. Yeah, the, the book, yeah, the book that I'm working on on emotional healing and, uh, and deliverance is going to have a lot of testimonies in it from people who have uh, been set free of the kind of things you're talking about. So, like I said, that book will be out fairly soon in, in a couple of months. And in the meantime, while you're waiting for that book to come out, I would go back through the gates of Shiloh and look at the process that uh, charity uses to get Shiloh healed of these issues. And you can do something similar to what she did. Now, do you need another Christian to actually guide you on this? Or you you don't. No, you, you don't. You, you can do it yourself. Um, I, I have a lot of testimonies from people who have gone through this process themselves. The reason I wrote the book, Gates of Shiloh, is to help people go through this process who don't have someone with them who can show them how to do it. The book teaches you how to do it. Uh, Perfect. So, yeah, you can do it yourself. All right. Wonderful. Okay, thank yep. you. You bet. Maureen Richards, can you unmute yourself? Okay. <laughs> Good day, <laughs> mate. How's it going? It's going. This is Mo uh, from Threadfest long, long, long ago. Oh, my gosh. It's Mo. How Holy are you? Mo. Doing good. Doing good. Um, it's been a long time since we've seen you. Yeah. I didn't go to this last one. and But anyway, <laughs> it, I, I just love anyway. listening to you. Love seeing your face. My husband, Dave, is here with me and says, hey. Okay. Hey, Dave. <laughs> um, I, going back to what Sammy was saying, Sammy Joe, I think, um, I believe or I agree with everything you have to say about Trump and military. Um, we're not fixing this. Uh, I'm just at peace knowing that sooner or later the real military is going to come in and fix all this brokenness that we've got in our country right now. Because every three-letter agency, everyone, <laughs> education, medical, uh, banking, it's, it's crumbling in front of our faces, and I don't see a fix for it. I don't. You know, Q is big in my world. You know, Q's he's not hiding. He's, he's there. He's always been there. Um, I believe in God, and 
God will direct our military to fix what's wrong with us now, I think. That's the only way Amen, sister. Amen. So, and tell Denise, hey, hey, Denise, I see her in the, in the crowd. Yeah, she's in the chat. <laughs> and have a happy Saturday, and it's great seeing your face. I won't take any more of your time, but I just want to say hey. Hey, thanks, Mo, for dropping in. Appreciate it. All right, bye. Bye. Gay Turner, <laughs> you got your hand up. Uh, Gay and I have been emailing back and forth. Gay, if you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Hey, Dave. It's really good to see you and uh, good to see a lot of familiar names here. I, I don't talk a whole lot on the chat, but it's just good to see everybody here. What a community of faith. And um, I was just wondering, what are your thoughts about the new wineskin, what we're getting ready to walk into now? What form do you see the body of Christ taking right now? Because it's um, we need an extreme makeover. We failed miserably. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a couple of thoughts on that. Oh, gosh. Where do I start? Uh, so I had this dream. Had this dream where I saw people uh, who were very self-conscious about an ability that they had. And they were self-conscious about it because... It was very controversial, and it was frowned upon. Uh, and I saw these people talking about their ability privately. And like I said, in the dream, the sense was that people were almost ashamed that they had this ability, that they didn't want anyone to know that they had this ability, that they, they didn't want it to get out. All right. Then in the dream, I saw them manifest this ability briefly. And what it, when they manifested this ability, what it looked like to me was a massive sheet of color. Like you see behind me, there's this, there's this color behind me, right? It was this massive sheet of color. It was about eight or nine feet high, eight or nine feet wide. And it, it was just iridescent, purple, pink, blue, yellow, green, just this sheet of color behind them. They, what they did was they focused their mind and boom, this color, wall of color appeared behind them for a, a second or two and then it disappeared. And when I saw that in the dream, I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. Like, how did you do that? And again, this is the ability that people were embarrassed about. They didn't want people to know about it. It was taboo in the culture. And I saw a couple other people talking about it, and then they manifested this ability. And it was, a, it was an ability, it was a spiritual ability that manifested as this wall of color that just displayed behind them. And I was like, all right, this is interesting. So, so that's basically what I saw in the dream. Now, interpretation. Uh, a lot of us, well, not a lot, a few of us, <laughs> it's a small number, relatively speaking. A few of us have been talking for a while about this issue called the manifestations of the sons of God. All right. There's been books written about it. There's been articles written about it. People have done podcasts on it. What exactly is the manifestation of the sons of God? It's, it's, it's from a reference from Romans chapter eight, um, that the creation is eagerly awaiting, groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. Nature 
the earth, the creation, is waiting for us, the sons of God, to manifest the fullness of what God has called us to do, what he wants us to be. The creation is waiting. And what we see around us in the world is corruption, decay, and the world is falling apart. What better time for the sons of God to manifest the fullness of our destiny and identity than when the world is falling apart? Like if all the power, strength, and wisdom of man created this great society and it's falling apart because it's based on man's wisdom, not God's wisdom, not God's power. We have a time coming in the very near future where we have an opportunity to manifest the wisdom of God, his full power, full authority, everything that God has destined us to manifest. We have an opportunity to do that. And I think that's what that dream was showing me. And uh, a couple of people, you know, Pepe Lives Matter, Kinstradamus, uh, they're, they're hip to the idea and they're, they've been writing about it. If you read their sub stacks, they're sort of subtly getting around to talking about this subject, the manifestation of the sons of God. I think we're going to arrive at a crucial point in history where it is going to be necessary for us as believers to fully manifest everything that God has given us as our inheritance. We haven't done it. And I think a time is coming when we need to do that. So, Gay, in answer to your question, <laughs> long answer, I, I think we've got some big changes. We've got some big challenges ahead. I think we have some big changes coming. If leaders in the body of Christ, if leaders can uh, not shirk back, not be embarrassed, not be frightened and timid because culture won't understand what it is that we're doing when we, you know, exercise authority and get hundreds of people healed and work miracles of food multiplication and all the other things that God wants us to do. Uh, we have to, we have to learn to operate in this boldly, not timidly, not with fear, but with boldness. So, alrighty, I guess I'll step off my soapbox for a few minutes and see who else has their hand up. Rhett, I don't know your last name, but Rhett, you have your hand up. If you can unmute yourself, what is on your mind? Yes, hello, Dave. Hey, what's um, going on? Uh, first, uh, thank you for your books. I read a lot of them. Uh, I love your Divine Healing book. Um, taught me a lot. Uh, I use it and stuff like that. Last August, I had a dream where God spoke to me that he hired me as one of his project managers. I had bang nails, so that was, you know... So I intuited that to, you know, to work for him. And he wanted me to go out with the window salesman, which I intuited was the Holy Spirit. But nothing happened. And so anyway, water baptism came up, but then, you know, uh, that didn't happen. But I had a dream this morning that I was the one that was blocking the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But um, so I, I since prayed about it and I feel a lot better about it. Is water baptism a thing? I mean, is that a part of spiritual warfare, or is it just a celebratory thing? Or I don't know. What, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think water baptism is a thing. Um, I, I, Denise and I got water baptized together. Uh, I mean, I was raised as a Catholic, so I was baptized as a child. It didn't really mean a whole lot to me. It was a cer ceremonial thing, you know, 
when you're like a month or two old. What, what does that really mean? When I became a Christian at the age of 38, because I willfully uh, decided I'm going to start following Jesus, I started a new life. And when the Holy Spirit came in to me, and I began to hear the voice of God, and I began to have dreams and visions, my life radically changed. And yeah, I went and got baptized. And some people will take the view that baptism is merely ceremonial, that it is uh, symbolic of death and resurrection, right? You go into the water, that symbolizes death, and then you come out of the water, that symbolizes resurrection. So some people look at it symbolically. Other people look at it uh, as a very real spiritual experience. Um, I saw a few things happen the day that I got baptized that made me think there was an actual spiritual um, event that happened when I got water baptized. Um, I, I, I don't want to be dogmatic about it. Um, there are different views on, on the importance of it. I would say this, uh, when, when God gives you a calling, when he illustrates, highlights a gift that you have, and then and, and he's trying to get you to accept the responsibility and, and walk in this, a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I received this prophetic word that I'm going to have a healing ministry. I received this prophetic word that I'm going to do this. I had a dream. I'm going to do that. And then nothing's happened. We're the ones who prevent it from happening. God does not sovereignly just bring people to your front door who need healing. You have to go out and find them. You have to go to the grocery stores. You have to go to, you know, if you're at Walmart and you see people limping around with canes and walkers and crutches, you need to walk up to those people and you need to lay hands on them and get them healed. That's the start of a healing ministry. It's we have to go out into the world and we have to release the power of God and exercise the authority of God and kick out demons. We have to find people that we can minister to. Uh, that requires action on our part. We're the ones who stop the work of God. It's not God, God waiting on us. He's God is waiting on us. But we don't have to wait on him. He was ready for us to do our thing 10 years ago. He's just waiting like, come on, make it happen. Get out there and do his stuff. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Agape Nautiloust. You have your hand up. If you could unmute yourself, what's on your mind? I was just uh, just listening to that last uh, bit there. Um, where could one get baptized without being baptized into a religion? I am not a religious person. Uh, I was born and raised as a religious, well, part of a religion. But I saw the fulfillment of John uh, 16 and verse 2. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm not interested in returning to religion. Okay. Because now that I have Christ, I don't need anything else. You got a relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, come to my house and I'll baptize you in my pool. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I say that jestingly, but, but literally, uh, I did baptize my niece in our pool. Um, she was not a believer, and she, uh, through the relationship with me and Denise, she became a believer, and we baptized her in our pool. Um, we didn't baptize her into a religion, and some churches will sort of, you know, make you go through these steps and, and all this other thing, and you, you sort of become part of that denomination. 
Uh, when Denise and I got baptized, we was in a lake at a, at a state park. <laughs> we, we, we had a friend. He was a pastor of a church, a non-denominational church. He did a baptism service on the 4th of July weekend every year, uh, Dennis Teague and his wife. We went out to Miller, Sylvania State Park, and he took us out there, and he just water baptized us on the beach at the state park. Um, Dennis, great guy, taught us a lot about healing. So you can just find someone to baptize you. It, it doesn't have to be a big ceremony. It doesn't have to be anything special. Uh, just find someone, a trusted friend, and say, hey, I want to be baptized. Would you do it? Go down to the river, go down to the creek, go, down, go in a pool, whatever. You know, they have baptismal, uh, baptism services in pools. Uh, public pools is another place you can do it. Uh, so, you know, think outside the box. Lynn B., Lynn, uh, if you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Hi, Dave. How are you today? <clears throat> Doing good. Good to hear from you again. Oh, thanks. Hey, listen, um, you've been on shows with uh, John Harold, a.k.a. Patel Patriot, and I wanted to ask your thoughts on devolution, and do you think his base premises are possible or real? Uh, I do. Uh, I was one of the first, thanks to Denise. <laughs> I think it might have been Joe Pappas, actually, who sent the in first three devolution articles to Denise. Denise read through the first three devolution articles, and she was like, oh, my gosh, Dave, you got to read these. And I was like, oh, man, there's another thing I have to read. So I set some time aside, about an hour, and I read through uh, Patel Patriot, John Harold's uh, first, I think, three devolution articles. I read through those articles and I was like, wow, this is very interesting. So he put together a lot of circumstantial evidence, documents, screenshots of executive orders, observations about what happened after, basically between the 2020 election and Joe Biden's inauguration in that two month period, all kinds of stuff happened. Chris Miller becomes Secretary of Defense. Cash Patel becomes his chief of staff. Anthony Tata comes in as chief of uh, undersecretary of policy. Ezra Krohn-Watna comes in as undersecretary. And all these changes started to happen. And what Patel Patriot was looking at is, what was Trump doing with all, making all these changes? Changes to the way that special operators work, changes to special forces, changes to the chain of command, all these executive orders. There's a ton of circumstantial evidence that suggests that Trump was doing something intentional. And uh, the, the, the theory of devolution, it's a theory. It's just a theory that Trump was putting in place some things to mitigate a, the results, long-term results of a stolen election. And I think, I think it holds water. I, I've read all the devolution articles. It's very difficult to poke holes in any of it. I haven't seen anyone even try to refute it. Uh, I, I think it's a thing. Uh, so <laughs> that's those are my thoughts on devolution. All right. Uh, let's see. Edward Taylor, I see you have your hand up. Edward Taylor, what is on your mind? Hello. How's the sound? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hi. Thank you, Dave, for taking the call. Um, so yeah, hi. Uh, so my my problem is uh, to do with 
a practical uh, issue which I'm facing, which let me just give you some context. Um, long-time Christian, um, I feel like God has been blessing me throughout the COVID years. I um, I have three girls and, uh, you know, things were going well up till 2020 when COVID happened. Um, and I was, by the way, I'm, I'm based in Europe, so I'm not a U.S. citizen, so I'm, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. So. Um, and uh, I, basically my uh, church became um, what I would say cuckoo about COVID, meaning beyond my threshold. Um, um, and so what ended up happening was I, I got kicked out um, for non-compliance. Um, and uh, so but, but I wasn't too um, perturbed by that. But the, the problem I'm facing right now is, that, like I said, I've got three girls and I, I'm starting to feel the pinch. I really would, I would like to raise them to know the Lord. But, but you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with it. And uh, <laughs> So, because we don't, we no longer have a church. So, um, and uh, I thought, since you you mentioned that you're a pastor, do do you have any advice about that? Do you do you have any suggestions? I, I did think I could go back to my church because all the COVID stuff has dropped, but I feel it's highly embarrassing because they, I was kicked out. So, so yep. uh, that's kind of the the pretext to my question. Thank you. I, I have a little uh, advice for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, I became a Christian in 2000. So I've been a believer for 20, almost 23 years. It'll be 23 years in May. Um, for the first seven years, up until 2007, uh, I, I went to church, a non-denominational church, sat in a church pew, listened to a pastor. We studied the Bible. I listened to a lot of Bible studies, um, a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors, Chuck Smith, uh, Joe Foch, Brian Broderson, a lot of those guys. I learned the Bible really well during that time period. And then in 2008, everything changed. Um, I got kicked out of the church. <laughs> uh, and God started giving me dreams, clearly indicating he did not want me going back in that building. He did not want me going to weekly attendance of church. And I was disobedient <laughs> the first year or two after I got kicked out of church. Denise and I went to an Assemblies of God church, which was very good. We learned a lot about prophecy. We met Melody Pash at um, a church in Olympia, an AG church. We I also met a really great prophet named Dan who mentored me in prophecy, visions, how to deliver a prophetic word. He was my first uh, mentor in that area. It was a good experience for me, but God kept giving me dreams, explaining he didn't want me in that building. He wanted me out in the community, reaching people outside the church building. So um, 2009, I really started operating more consistently and strongly in healing. And here's what happened. Um, in 2009, we basically just, I said, okay, Lord, I'm not, I'm not, I'll be obedient. I'm not going to go into the church building anymore. We'll just figure something else out. So I was um, through watching some YouTube videos, reading some books on healing. I was learning about healing, learning about deliverance. And then I started practicing it, doing it. You know, I was praying for people in the ambulance at work. Yes, you can pray for people at work. We'd go to grocery stores and uh, I would pray for people to be healed. Pretty soon my kids are doing it. 
I taught my daughter all about supernatural healing. We're at a Target store, we're at a Walmart, we're at a grocery store. Somebody has a, a, a sling on their shoulder. They're in a wheelchair. They've got crutches. We just walk over to them, ask them, hey, can we pray for you to be healed? Usually they say yes. We'd pray for them, and then we'd go on our way and do get our shopping done. We saw hundreds of people healed in stores. And I was teaching my daughter about the realities of God's power, God's love, and authority in doing this. My daughter loved it. My son was a little bit like, oh, Dad, do we have to do this now? Like, can, you, can, we, like, can we just go home? My son was a little bit embarrassed with it, but he eventually caught on, too. And he has, I prayed for him probably 12 different times for different injuries when he was in high school, swimming injuries, track and field injuries. He'd always come home, you know, dad, I got a partially separated shoulder. I can't raise my arm up. I'd pray over his shoulder. He'd get healed. So I was discipling my children in a daily uh, fashion just by them watching me pray for people to be healed, watching they, they would get healed. They'd, we'd go to the grocery store. Hey, guess what? I've got to go to the store again. Who wants to come with me? Are you going to pray for people to be healed? I might. Well, I don't want to go with you. <laughs> no, come along. Let's do a demonstration. So they'd come with me, and they'd see people get healed. Um, if, you're, if you're having some issues with your church being woke uh, and, and caving to, you know, the wokeness or the COVID stuff or whatever. A lot of churches have kind of done themselves at a service by doing that. There is nothing wrong with discipling your children. You can read the Bible yourself. You can listen to podcasts and videos and learn about the kingdom of God and then go out and you can, you can demonstrate, you know, the realities of God's kingdom, give people prophetic words, interpret their dreams, operate in healing, operate in deliverance to emotional healing. There's all kinds of things you can do to people with people in your community, and you can do it with your family. You start doing it. You teach your kids how to do it. Um, that's that's making disciples. That is what Jesus told us to do: go out into the world and make disciples. That's the Great Commission, and that's how I did it. So I hope that answers your question. Um, best I got right now. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see who's got their hand up. Uh, Sandy, Sandy, I see you've got your hand up. Uh, what is on your mind? If you can unmute yourself. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Um, what's on my mind is that I've been praying for my husband to be saved. He's um, very educated in quote-unquote religion and taught it in middle school. Um, says he can't believe that the Bible is the word of God, um, but is very Christianity-leaning, if you understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, he goes through, he has so much anguish with what's going on in the world today, says he needs to find a purpose. Um, we talk a lot about uh, God, the Bible, Jesus, um, he doesn't understand what being saved is. And we talked about uh, Saul on the road to Damascus and God stopped him. And my husband said, well, 
I guess I'm just a lost soul. I guess I need an epiphany. I need a miracle. And so I was wondering if we could pray for that for him. I does haven't he need, continued. Does to he need healing for anything? Does he need healing? Uh, probably a lot of emotional healing. Um, okay. Physically, physically, he has um, a problem with his thyroid that he has had to take medicine for, which he's quit taking um, because it made him tired and more stressed out than he already was. Okay. Uh, well, you know what? I think, I think we pray for his, uh, for his healing. Okay. All right. Lord Jesus, we ask you to bring healing to this man. Holy Spirit, bring your healing presence upon him. I command his thyroid to be healed. Lord, bring him physical, spiritual, and emotional healing. And Sandy, what I would recommend, if if you have an opportunity to suggest to him that, you know, if, if he expresses um, a lot of anger, regret, remorse, guilt, shame, negative emotions like that, you might ask him if he would be open to going through emotional healing because many times for many people who are reluctant to embrace Jesus as their savior, um, a, a healing experience becomes that door that just opens where they realize, wow, something just happened to me. I, I got healed physically, emotionally. That sometimes is the, the nudge they need that brings them into the kingdom. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Donna C., Donna C., you have your hand up. If you can unmute yourself, Donna, what's on your mind? Good morning. Nice to talk to yeah. you. Good morning. I have a question. Do you feel that arrests are being made, and do you feel, because I had heard at one point that we would see evidence of the, the Babylonian worship of the slaughter of children, um, that we would actually see these people pay for their crimes. Yeah, there there are a lot of people uh, who believe that the arrests have already happened, or they are happening, they're ongoing, they're secret arrests. If you follow um, sources like Real Raw News and, and, and other people, there's a lot of uh, other people on YouTube, I'm not going to name names, but they are, are telling this, uh, basically sharing this narrative that they have, inside sources that are telling them that a lot of the people who we know as members of the cabal, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, George Soros, Nancy Pelosi, people like that, that they've secretly already been arrested, put on trial. A lot of them have been executed. And we're basically seeing either clones or doubles or people with masks. Um, I think that's what you're referring to. No, I don't believe that. There's no evidence to suggest any of that is, is real. Uh, it's pretty popular in our culture. I don't believe any of it. Uh, if <laughs> I, I believe that if, when that happens, we're going to see it. We're, we're going to see the trials. We're going to hear the testimony. We're going to have the evidence made made public. Um, it, it's coming. I, I absolutely believe it's coming. I don't believe it has happened already. Uh, that's first. My understanding, my belief, is that first 
we're going to uh, uncover enough information about the realities of corruption to wake up a critical mass of society. Once we have awakened people to the realities of corruption, that's the information phase. Then the justice phase comes after that. We have to wake people up first before we can have uh, Nuremberg 2.0. But it's coming. Josie S. Uh, Hi, Dave. Hey. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for the work you're doing for God. Uh, I've been following you since late 2021. I read your book. And uh, actually, I'm the one translated one of your, the, the emotional healing. Oh, I remember <laughs> our emails. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I give it to some of my friends. Um, they all like it. What specifically, uh, one sister, she really like it, and she gave it to her daughter. And also, uh, her daughter bought your, uh, your book in English. And she had some... Uh, really hard time after she gave birth to her daughter and then uh, I think demons came to her and then so she had a hard time and her mom helped her and then they have other you know uh, people prayed for her so I'm still learning <laughs> my question for you is um, I see everything kind of a the God manifestation and then healings are slowly, not like immediate. I haven't seen anything immediately, like a praying for healings, all that for myself or for people that I know. And also I'm, I'm coward for praying for people that I don't know. I have the urge, just like you said, I go out, I see people, I feel like, should I, pray for them should i go ask if i can pray i don't have the courage i did pray for people's like uh that i know uh and then a couple of people at work but i don't see like the result i was wondering should i you know maybe like like dave i have to pray for 500 people <laughs> and after that i can see the result I don't know what what should I do at, at my stage now okay that is a fair question I will give you my answer uh, it, it in most cases for most people if you want to see immediate results in healing you're going to have to pray for a lot of people and, and I'm not saying you have to pray for 500 people like I did um, I was I was coming from a position of unbelief and skepticism and doubt. And um, the key for releasing power and exercising authority is faith. When you are confident, <clears throat> when you're confident and you're praying for somebody and you, in your mind, you're able to tell yourself, I know that person's going to get healed if I can pray for them. That's biblical faith it's i equate it with confidence all right a lot of us we're praying for people we don't have that confidence we say well you know yeah i'll, I'll pray for them they're probably not going to get healed but i'm going to pray for them anyway that's not confidence that's not biblical faith biblical faith is getting to a point where in your mind 
when you pray for somebody, you actually believe, you're confident, you're sure they're going to be healed. And the only way that you get to that point with your faith is by praying for a lot of people. Um, there are very few people who start out in healing with giant faith. It just doesn't happen. So I, this is going to be difficult, but um, some people are just very reluctant to pray for strangers. I would encourage you, Josie, pray for strangers. <laughs> Those people at the grocery store, when you go out and you go to the hardware store and you go into the gas station and you see people who are injured, people who obviously could use healing, be bold, be brave, walk over and say, hey, you're probably not a very threatening looking person. I kind of am. I'm, you know, I'm six feet tall. Um, you know, I'm not a small guy. And I'm, I look a little bit threatening and intimidating to some people. And you don't, you know, most women are going to be able to get away with asking the stranger, hey, can I pray for you? They're not going to be threatened by you. They're not going to think they're going to get mugged if you talk to them and say, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to pray for you and see if I can get you healed. So I would encourage you to step out in faith and ask those strangers, hey, can I pray for you? You will start seeing miracles. You'll see immediate results. You'll see carpal tunnels. Go for the people who have the wrist immobilizer on at Walmart. If you go to any checkout stand at Walmart and see people, they, half of them have black little wrist immobilizers on because they've got carpal tunnel from repetitive motion. When you see somebody with an immobilizer on their wrist, easy. Carpal tunnel is so easy. Just put your hand on there and command the carpal tunnels to be open. Command the tendons to be healed. Command spirits to get out. And, uh, you know, start with the things that are easy. <clears throat> if someone has a knee immobilizer, if they've got an ankle boot, if they have some device, an orthopedic device, a sling on their shoulder, those are the easiest, those um, physiological, you know, joint injuries, uh, rotator cuffs, frozen shoulder, uh, elbow injuries, tennis elbow, um, carpal tunnel, sprained knees, sprained ankles. Those are the easiest conditions for new people starting out to get healed. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of faith to get those joint injuries healed. Um, I, I, that's why I saw so much success early on for me is because I, I saw these people who had all these <laughs> immobilizers and uh, different things on. I was like, hey, I want to pray for that person. They obviously need healing and just release a little bit of power and they start telling you, well, I'm feeling tingling. Why, why is my joint tingling? What's going on here? Okay, we'll move it around. And pretty soon you find out they're healed. Um, those, those are the, that's the low-hanging fruit of supernatural ministry. It's praying for people who have joint injuries. Uh, so, you know, if you want to see results, I would encourage you to do that. All righty. Uh, let's see. We are going to call on. All right. Rick has his hand up again. Rick, do you have a retort? You'd like to say something? Yes. I'd love for you to talk more about the manifestation of faith. You mentioned something briefly about it once, and my ears got this big. I've I done a lot of videos on biblical faith. Uh, what What is faith for healing? What is faith for miracles? I can talk about it if you want me to. Yeah, I think it's a really important uh, one of the nine manifestations. 
but I think it's okay. overlooked a lot. So, All right. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. Okay. Oh gosh. I shouldn't, well, again, I shouldn't have brought this up because it's, it usually ends up being a long discussion. But if you go back on my uh, previous Supernatural Saturdays back a couple of years ago, I've done a couple of videos on um, what is faith? What is faith for healing? What is faith for miracles? What is biblical faith? It's not what most people think it is. That's the problem. You go to church, you listen to your pastors, you read books on faith. They never describe what faith actually is. This is primarily in, in the context of healing and miracles, prophecy, like everything that we do supernatural, we do by faith. Faith, in a sense, is the currency of heaven. The Bible says we prophesy in part, we know in part. We prophesy. When, when the Holy Spirit uh, gives us revelation for another person, and we receive that revelation from the Holy Spirit, and we speak it out to that other person in, as a prophetic word, we're doing it by faith. We don't have a clear, perfect, crystal clear image of what the Holy Spirit wants us to tell them. We get visions, we get glimpses, vignettes, scenes, little words, and we, we speak by faith. We're believing. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust it. This is what, you know, the Holy Spirit is, it wants you to know. And you'll find out as you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, as you start to prophesy many times, what, what the Lord does with me when I give, giving a prophetic word, he'll give me a vision or two, sometimes three images I'll start to develop a prophetic word and I'll start speaking to that person out of what I saw in a vision and the Holy Spirit will come upon me and I'll just start speaking what he is telling me, what I'm hearing. All right, that is a, that's a manifestation of the gift of prophecy and we prophesy by faith. So what is faith? Okay, faith is not hope. Okay, so faith is not hope. Some people say that I have faith that God's going to turn our country around. All right, that's not faith. That's hope. We all hope that God is going to turn the world around. He's going to turn our country around. He's going to prevent World War III. That's not faith. That is hope. You have a hope. You hope that God's going to do something because you want that to happen. All right, hope is a desire. It's hope is a want. It's a desire. I want God to do this. I hope God's going to do this. That's not biblical faith. That's hope. All right, faith is not the the mental agreement that God can do something. That's not faith. All right, so a lot of people, when it comes to healing, they say, well, I believe God heals people. Okay, that's that's not biblical faith because lots of people believe that God can heal the sick, but when they pray for people to be healed, no one's healed. They have what they have is they have a mental agreement with the idea that God can heal people. But that that that's not biblical faith for healing. That's mental agreement with an idea. All right, so let's, let's continue. Faith is for healing, faith for the miraculous, is not 
a, a belief that God could heal that person over there if I went over and prayed for them. All right. So in, in the case with uh, our friend who just asked a question about, well, you know, I'm, I, I'm a little bit intimidated to go and pray with strangers because I, I just, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. All right. So praying with strangers. If I saw somebody at a store who had a, an immobilizer on their shoulder or on their wrist, and I thought to myself, well, maybe if I go pray for them, maybe God will heal them because I believe God heals the sick. That's where that's the place where a lot of us are at. We're at a place where we 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 know that God heals. We've read some testimonies, we've we've heard it, we believe, okay, God can heal people. The doubt that we have is will he heal that person if I pray for them? That's where the doubt is. So we have we have a belief that God will heal. We have a belief that that person could be healed. We don't have confidence. We don't have confidence that if we go lay hands on them, they're going to be healed. That is biblical faith, actually. It's confidence. So when you're in that place in your mind where you you doubt whether if I go lay hands on that person, they may or may not get healed, right? That's doubt. That's not biblical faith. When Jesus went into the temple, when Jesus was going to cleanse the lepers, they're like, Lord, you can heal us. And he said, yes, you'll be cleansed. When he healed the blind, when he healed the lame, when he raised the dead, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, if he touched that person, they were going to be healed. If he gave them a command, go show yourselves to the priests, he knew with absolute confidence in himself, if those people go to the priest and they show themselves and they do what I tell them to do, they're going to be healed. He knew it. He was confident. That is biblical faith. It is a confident knowing. If I go over there to that person and they let me pray for them and I get my hands on them, they're going to be healed. I'm confident. I know it's going to happen. That is biblical faith for miracles. It's not hope, and it's not an intellectual agreement with an idea. It is confidence. And the only way you develop that kind of confidence is by praying for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people, and you see them healed. And after you pray for 10 people with torn rotator cuffs, and you see all 10 of them healed in a row, when you go pray for that 11th person, you're going to look at them and go, I know if you let me pray for you, you're going to get healed because I got the hot hand here. God is going to heal you. That's confidence. That's, that is the biblical faith for the miraculous. All right. Thank you, Rick, for letting me once again jump on my soapbox. <laughs> there we go. Hello. Hey, Doug, what's going on? Uh, hi. Um, I, I would like to just, I have a, I feel for that lady that, one of the first questioners who said she could not uh, speak in tongues. I wonder if I could say something about that. It's very dear to me. You have the mic, sir. Go for it. Okay. All right. So um, 50 year, 52 years ago, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I, when I opened my mouth to speak in tongues, nothing came out. And I, I came to realize that the, the disciples on the day of Pentecost spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit 
gave them the utterance, but they had to do the speaking. It was like Peter climbing out of the boat when Jesus said, come. Jesus didn't pull him out of the boat. He had to make the physical effort to get out of the boat. And with regard to speaking in tongues, we have to initiate the, 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 we have to use our muscles of speech and have faith that the words that are coming out are from the Holy Spirit. He, we make the sounds, he makes the language. We make the sounds, he makes the, the language. So, and you don't speak with your mind. Don't use your mind. Your mind has to be blank. It says so. Uh, so you, you phonate with your voice box. You move your lips. You move your tongue. Touch your teeth with your tongue. Make those little sounds. Don't worry about whether they're a speech or not. You let the Holy Spirit. Uh, just have faith that the Holy Spirit is using those noises to make a language. There's a, over 7,000 known languages in the world today, and virtually any noise you, noise you make is a, is a word in one of those languages. And the Holy Spirit puts them all together as a real, unknown language to you. So that, that's my comment. The other thing is that you have to have faith that it's God's will for you to speak in tongues. And just know in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, I want you all to speak in tongues. Even more, I want you to prophesy. So it's the will of God. And if we ask anything according to the will of God, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever it is we ask, then we have the petition that we ask. So believe that you have it. Start speaking. Don't use your mind. And just trust that the Holy Spirit is giving you that language. And it's an exercise in faith. Every time you speak in tongues, it's an exercise in faith. Because the devil will come at you and say, ah, you're just making that up. He does that to everybody. <clears throat> okay, that's my comment. Well said, sir. Thank you. All right. Shield Maiden, you have your hand up. Shield Maiden, if you can unmute yourself, what is on your mind? Shield Maiden, uh, hang on, I gotta try it again. If you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind, Shield Maiden? Am I live? You are live. Hi there. What's uh, going on? I uh, started following you probably right when the Q uh, movement or Q made himself made themselves known. Uh, okay. And then I then I saw you on um, it's supernatural, and then I'm like, oh my, he has a healing ministry, and I had gotten some of your material that was offered that day, and since then I've had two prophets speak over me that I will have a healing ministry. And uh, I'm a PTA by trade, physical therapist assistant. So I do have some uh, anatomy and things. And I have prayed for a lot of people. And um, people say, oh, your hands are so warm. Or, oh, I feel the tingling. But I don't see them healed yet. And uh, and I do think it, it has a lot to do with my confidence. So I've been studying to show myself approved. And you had mentioned uh, Mike Parsons. Um, and so I kind of started listening to him to maybe get more intimate with God, that I could hear his voice better. 
Uh, and then he says he doesn't believe in hell. And I'm like, oh, no, am I deceived? What's going on? So um, I don't know. I mean, just how, how do you how do you feel about him and his ministry? Okay. Uh, fair question. So I I ran into Mike Parsons, gosh, ooh, 13, uh, no, sorry, probably nine or 10 years ago, 2014, 2015. Um, Mike began having regular meetings with people in Olympia, Washington, when I was living there. And I got introduced to him through them and uh and some of Mike's teaching, I think, is very good. Um, his, I primarily latched on to his teaching on the courts of, and councils of heaven. That's, that's really the only thing that Mike teaches that I've ever really listened to. Um, he was one of the very early people that taught on the, you know, the, the court of accusation and the court of scribes and the court of angels and all the different courts. Um, so I learned what I could from Mike on the courts of heaven. The, and I really haven't paid a whole lot of attention to anything he's taught in the last six or seven years. I don't, I don't really know much about that. Um, I don't think it's true that he doesn't believe in hell because I have heard him talk about when he actually visited hell and he preached to people in hell. So, so I think he actually believes it exists. He does have a different perspective on the fate of people in eternity than, than mainstream Christianity, I would say that. Um, you know, like I said, I, I don't really keep up with Mike. Um, I, I've moved on to other things. And uh, there are people that I've met and shared videos with and talked to over the years who, you know, we agree on a couple of issues and disagree on a lot of other issues. So you know, that's just the nature of, of uh, faith, I guess. Uh-oh, Tedzilla. Uh, Tedzilla wants to talk. I see you've got your hand up, sir. If you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Hello, David. Nice to speak with you again. Yeah, good talking to you again. Okay. Um, last time we talked, we talked about deliverance some, and I'm kind of new in deliverance. I don't have a great understanding of it, but um, Monday in theaters, there's a deliverance documentary coming out nationwide. It's called something like Come Out in Jesus' Name. And it's put on by a group of deliverance ministers, uh, Pastor Greg Locke, Alexander Pagani, I Isaiah Saldivar, Vlad Savchuk, Daniel Adams, Mike Signorelli. Um, like I said, I don't want to be deceived. I mean, does that, are those people legit as far as you know? Or I have no idea. No idea? I've, I've, heard, I've heard of Greg Locke. Don't know anything about him. I just remember his name from s s something. I don't know any of the other people. Don't know anything about the the movie. I I, I don't know. Okay. I, okay. Don't have an informed opinion. Okay. No, that, that, I appreciate that. I mean, it's uh, you, you being honest. Um, anyways, I'm going to go see what it's like. They're supposed to do a uh, live deliverance session afterwards, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on. With that. But, um, <laughs> Well, I'm talking with you. I mean, something that bothers me in the body of Christ is all the division. Um, anyone who, like the Baptists, will say a Christian can't have a demon versus they don't believe in deliverance ministry. They say it ended with the um, with the apostles. And I believe it's real. I believe all this healing and, and all the gifts of the Spirit 
are out there, but there's just so much division within the body of Christ. And and can you speak at all with, you know, how do we combat that? How can we bring people together? How can we get rid of the, uh, oh, the division, the pharisaical mindset where everything is, uh, the legalism of everything? It's just, yeah, I can uh, speak to that. I believe God loves us all and and wants the best for all of us. And it's just, it, it breaks my heart that there's so much division within the yeah, church. Yeah, mine too. Um, I can speak to that a little bit. So there is a lot of division in the church, a lot of disagreement about, you know, did healing and miracles cease 2,000 years ago? Is it still a thing right now? Um, I was once a cessationist. Um, 15 years ago, I did not believe in healing and miracles. I thought it was ceased 2,000 years ago. That's what I was taught, right? I believe what I was taught. And then God corrected my understanding and said, no, I am doing healing and you're going to do it, right? So my my perspective on all of that is um, I try my best to do whatever God uh, asks me to do, try to be obedient to the best of my ability. Um, he has called me to teach on healing, physical healing, deliverance, emotional healing, prophecy, hearing God's voice, things of that nature. I'm trying my best to focus on those subjects and to speak specifically to people who are interested in hearing about it. And I'm not interested in having discussions with people who are not interested in hearing about it, right? And the problem is that we have a kind of in our culture this feel this feeling like we need to debate everybody on everything. Like it, uh, I was talking to Grant Stinchfield the other day uh, before we went on air, and he was talking about debating one of his buddies about Q, and I thought, okay, well, have fun with that. Um, I, I, there's a reason why I've never debated anybody about Q. Q is not a subject about which you debate. You read the posts and you come to your own conclusions about what they mean. There's, there's no reason to debate over those issues. It's, it's, it's really the same thing with healing, um, I think. Healing is not something that we should be debating among different sects and different groups and different denominations in Christianity. If you don't believe in healing, don't believe in healing. That's fine. Uh, if you ever want me to pray for you to be healed, I will. If you get healed, maybe you'll change your mind about healing. I'm a, I'm a results person. I'm like, I, I don't want to debate you about the issue of healing. If you have a migraine headache, let me pray for you. <laughs> That'll be all the evidence you need. You'll get healed, right? So from, from my perspective, I, I'm not interested in, in the arguments and the debates and the vision that's caused among different sex within Christianity. My thing is, look, if you don't believe the same thing I believe, that's fine. Go over in your corner of the internet and talk with your friends about what you believe. That's fine. I will leave you alone. I'm not going to go over there and throw sticks and, and harass you and challenge you to a debate. I'm going to be teaching people in my corner of the internet what God has shown me, and I'm going to invite other people to have uh, the mic and share their experiences and talk about, you know, what God has done with them. And, and as a community, we can all learn from each other and teach within our community. I, I don't have a particular need to go and 
talk to all the different denominations and try to convince them that I'm right. That's just not my thing. Because I, I just think, you know, let's just do our own thing. I'm doing my thing here. You guys do your thing over there. I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. Don't come on that website and troll me and leave, <laughs> leave hateful comments. You know, just do your thing. And I'm doing my thing. All right. So let's uh, see who has her hand up. Um, Marilyn Allison. Uh, Marilyn Allison, you've got your hand up. What is on your mind? If you can unmute yourself. Um, thank you, Dave. Um, I have um, really felt like I'm called to a healing, to, to bring healing to others. And one of the main reasons is because I believe the Lord has healed me of two different things. Many years ago, when I first became spirit-filled, I remember asking the Lord, could he please heal my eyes? I had a, a couple situations going on that made it that I needed to wear corrective lenses, which I didn't want to do. And um, anyway, I just kind of went on down the road. And one year I went to my eye doctor. And all of a sudden, I had monovision. And all of the... Um, all, trying to think what that other thing is called anyway it's a it's an abnormality in your cornea's surface it was all gone so the bottom line to that was i no longer needed glasses i either even had my driver's license changed because of that healing and then fast forward a few more years um i was on my way into a church service and i tripped and fell and i broke my hip and within 30 days, that bone was totally healed. Um, however, I did sustain some problems with the knee in that leg. And I had been praying. It was probably at least a year and a half. I'd been praying about it and praying about it. And any time somebody would pray for healing in the knee, I was all about it. Agreeing, doing everything they would say to do. Nothing. Well, one night I'm sitting on the sofa and all of a sudden my thigh where the incision was, where they had to uh, work on my hip, literally was vibrating and it happened three times. I went into bed that night and it happened three more times. And from that day, that knee got better and better. I wasn't able to walk to the end of my street, and I'm an avid walker. I love to walk. And I was back to walking my two miles. I couldn't comfortably even get in and out of my car. I couldn't walk on grass. I could give you 50 examples of things I couldn't do that I can now do. All right, another thing that's come up in my life. <laughs> I have had a problem with my, my left ear, and I am currently believing for healing of that ear, not only, auto, not only of tinnitus, but I have probably lost about 80% of my hearing. I have two friends with whom I have walked most of my spirit-filled life. And it's interesting, I just, it's so hard for me because 
I feel resistance from both of them, and it, it makes me feel really sad. And I guess my question is, how do I um, continue to walk effectively with them, and yet I don't want to believe that I'm going to need a hearing aid. I want to believe that the Lord Jesus is going to step in, and he's healed me in two other ways. I believe he's going to heal this, and I also believe, and he's also healed at least three people that I've prayed for. I do believe that he is going to have me operate in that in my lifetime. So that's, that's where I am. That's the history, and those are my questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, number one, I believe you're right. Uh, if you believe that God's going to heal you, I believe God's going to heal you. And I think, you know, in time, your healing for your hearing will manifest. The issue with your friends, uh, a little bit of a thorny issue. You can let um, your fear of estrangement. I mean, I'm guessing that it sounds like you're afraid that if you step out and start operating in healing and you see miracles and you're praying for people to be healed in public and your friends find out about it, uh, it might raise eyebrows, might cause some concern with them. I, I think that's what you're saying. Um, you know, you have to make that decision uh, on your own. What are you going to do? Are you going to obey the call of God or are you going to worry about what people are going to think of you if you obey the call of God? Um, I've, I've, I can't tell you how many friends I've lost and relatives who have written me off as a nut job because of what I do. I don't care what they think. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I, I'm doing what God has asked me to do. I'm going to stand in front of him one day and give an account for my life what I did and what I didn't obey. And I'm going, I, like I said, I'm trying to obey the best that I can. I think you should do the same thing. Um, you operating in the supernatural, operating in healing, miracles, deliverance. Uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea. And if you lose friends, you will gain other friends. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that keeps me going. Like over the years, I have lost so many friends. Like when Trump got into office and I was backing Trump, there's a lot of friends that I'd known for a long time just wouldn't speak to me, wouldn't email me, wouldn't talk to me. I would, it was done. I was dead to them because I, I supported Trump. But you know what happened? I gained about 200,000 new friends um, who were uh, supportive of Trump. <clears throat> Healing and miracles is the same way. You will lose friends over what you do for God. You'll also gain new friends. And I would just take comfort in that. All right. Uh, let's see. Karen Williams. Hi, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Um, I've been reading a lot of your books and I've been doing the emotional healing and I've been asking for a specific healing for, to get rid of my nicotine addiction. I started smoking at the age of 12, and I'm going to be 70 in December. That's 57 years of this addiction that I cannot seem to get rid of. And I was wondering what your thoughts on that were. So you've, uh, you've read the book on emotional healing? Yes. Have you gone through the emotional healing process? Yes. How's that working? 
it seems to be working really good. Okay. Um, my my guess is that there is some uh, unmet emotional need, some emotional wound that is acting as a home to a spirit of addiction. And once you identify that emotional wound that that uh, is allowing that spirit of addiction to hammer you, when you get healed of that, you can get rid of the demon and the addiction will, will go away instantly. That's typically how it happens. I've got received hundreds of uh, testimonies from people who have been healed of various addictions, and that's typically what happens. Um, you have to identify the, the the root cause of that of that addiction, that issue that is serving as a home for for some spirit of addiction. So I would encourage you to continue going through the emotional healing process, and as you identify emotional wounds and get healed of them, command demons to leave, and eventually one day you can realize that craving is gone. Okay. Uh, All right. Thank you for your information. You betcha. All right. We are at the two-hour mark, so I'm going to wrap this up. Boy, I feel like I've been talking a long time. <laughs> oh, man, some very involved questions uh, put me on the spot. But hopefully the information that I've been able to give you today and the information shared by, by the guests has been helpful. This is uh, a monthly broadcast that I do, second Saturday of every month, 1 o'clock Eastern, uh, here on Telegram. The replays will be available, Rumble, and on my two websites, prayingmedic.com, prayingmedic.org. Uh, after a couple of hours, I have to go through and do some editing and uh, clean it up a little bit. But that is our show for this month. Uh, thank you all for jumping on the live stream. Thank you for your financial support. Uh, Denise and I thank you very much for all of your prayers. Love you all. Take care. I'll catch you on the next broadcast.